0: Zechariah 5, uh, pay attention, some pretty, some pretty crazy stuff. I looked again and there before me was a flying scroll. He asked me, he is the angel guide. He has this angel guide through these visions. I answered, I see a flying scroll 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. And he said to me, this is the curse that is going out Over the whole land. For according to what it says on one side, every thief will be banished, and according to what it says on the other, everyone who swears falsely will be banished. The Lord Almighty declares, I will send it out, and it will enter the house of the thief and the house of him who swears falsely by my name. It will remain in his house and destroy it, both its timbers and its stones. And then The angel who was speaking to me came forward and said, Look up and see what this is that is appearing. I replied, What is it? He replied, It's a measuring basket. And he added, This is the iniquity of the people throughout the land. And then the cover of lead was raised, and there in the basket sat a woman. He said, This is wickedness. And he pushed her back into the basket and pushed the lead cover down over its mouth. And I looked up, and there before me were two women with the wind in their wings. They had wings like those of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth. Where are they taking the basket, I asked the angel who was speaking to me. He replied to the country of Babylonia to build a house for it. When it is ready, the basket will be set there in its place. That's God's word this morning. The story goes about our 30th president, Calvin Coolidge, that one Sunday he went to church and for whatever reason his wife stayed home. Mrs. Coolidge asked him when he came home, What was the sermon about? Sin, he said. Well, what did the minister say about it? Coolidge said he was against it. This vision is about sin. For the record, I'm against it too. But sin is a topic we'd rather skip over. This chapter about sin is pretty brutal. It's harsh. And it might seem to be a downer. These visions that Zechariah received all in that one night long ago were given as an encouragement to God's people. In his day, God's people were today. And even though at first glance this vision is more of a downer, it's more depressing than encouraging, it turns out that for us as God's people, this vision is a tremendous comfort. The vision shows God taking care of sin in a dramatic way, even a scary way. God taking away sin For all who belong to Jesus, that is a great, great thing. And that's why I called the message, banishing sin as a means of grace. There's a very technical use of means of grace to talk about preaching, to talk about the sacraments, the very special way God chooses to give His people His grace when we gather in faith, in worship like this. But more generally speaking, we know God has many ways to give us His grace in our lives. In prayer, in conversations in our small groups, out in nature, even through excellent music. In this chapter, we see God's dealing with sin. God's dealing with sin in our own lives. God's dealing with sin in the big picture of history. It's a sign of his grace, and it's a picture of his grace, and it's him showing us his grace. So good news comes to us through the harsh visions here. I want to look at the good news. First of all, God broadcasts his plan to banish sin. He broadcasts his plan to banish sin. And that's what this strange flying scroll is about. The dimensions are are 30 feet by 15 feet, and that's a big scroll. It's like the size of a billboard, and it's flying. So maybe it's like one of those messages that a small plane pulls behind it for advertising. You know, they call that aerial advertising. It's an aerial broadcast. But the scroll is flying itself. People all around can see it. What's the message on the billboard that God wants everyone around to see? Well, Zechariah's angel guide says in verse 3, the scroll is the curse. It's a curse a curse flying curse scroll sounds like something in harry potter doesn't it but it's a flying curse scroll there would be something about the dimensions of that scroll that would be meaningful to a jewish person in Zechariah's day who knew their scriptures and history really well it's 20 by 10 cubits 30 by 15 feet In the most holy place, the holy of holies, in the temple where God's Old Testament people worshipped, sat the Ark of the Covenant. This place was so holy that even the high priest could only go in there once a year. In the Ark were the tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down from Sinai, written by God himself. Above the ark, representing God's glory and his presence, were two huge golden cherubim, winged heavenly creatures. Heavenly creatures with wings. Winged is a little bit of an old word. Heavenly creatures with wings. Their height was 15 feet. Their width, their wings were out. Their width with their wings was 15 feet each and they went wing to wing over the so like that's the ark there's one here with their wings out there's one here so 15 15 and 15 that's 30 by 15 and that's not a coincidence the scroll is broadcasting God's holiness and his standards that are communicated in God's law and of course, that is what sin transgresses, right? That's what sin is. It's a violation of God's law. We tend to measure sin and wrongdoing against our sense of right and wrong. That's not the right measure. A little boy might tease his sister to the point of her crying. You know, this is not an uncommon thing, unfortunately, even in our, our godly homes. A boy might tease his sister to the point of her crying, and his mom says, young man, stop that immediately. But the little boy says, mom, that's nothing. I was over at so-and-so's house, and he punched his little brother in the gut. I mean, I'm only teasing her a little bit. But that little boy is using a standard that he thought made sense rather than the right standard, his mom's standard. The scroll represents God's standard against which he measures people. And what's written on that scroll makes this crystal clear. God punishes, on the one side it says this, every thief will be banished, and then on the other side, everyone who swears falsely will be banished. So those were probably very common sins going on in that day, but there's more. On the one side and on the other may refer to the two tables of the law. Remember what that is? The two tables of the law. The first four commandments are about loving God and perjury, swearing falsely in court. That's an affront to God and his name. That's about the third commandment. The second six commandments are about loving our neighbor which stealing from someone violates that. And so God is proclaiming his holy standards, a first table sin and a second table sin, failure to love him, failure to love others. God is broadcasting his plan to banish sin and anyone who violates his word and his law. Peeking ahead to the second part of the vision for a second The importance of God's standards is there too. That's why verse 6 talks about a measuring basket. Not just a random container from the container store, but a measurement container. Literally an ephah. That's a standard unit of measure. It's about three-fifths of a bushel. So in the whole chapter, God's measurements, God's standards are the point. God punishes sin, and sin is a failure to measure up to God's will and God's law. Now, the easiest thing to do, I think, for Christians, for church people, when we see that God is broadcasting his plan to banish sin, is to think, yeah, it's about time. Society is going down the toilet, those lousy lying politicians we got to hear all the time, people who are promiscuous, drug users, the atheists, the terrorists, God's going to get them all. God does indeed warn the whole world of how he does not tolerate sin. It's true. It's broadcast for all to see and for all to read in his word. And God's word calls everyone to respond and to repent. But that everyone, includes you and me, people sitting in the church, and we're making a mistake if we don't let God's message in our hearts. This scroll, after all, is flying over the nation of Israel, God's people, not the foreign nations. And and so I think God's word invites us to ask, are we listening to it ourselves? Do we know God's word enough to know his standards or do we kind of generally feel it's enough that we've been around the church for a while that, that we, we have a pretty good sense of the right way to live and, and we depend on that like that little boy before his mom rather than diligently reading and knowing God's standard and His calling for holy living? Thinking about that, how about we think just about what God put on that scroll? Those weren't random Sample, first table, second table commandments. They were commandments that God's people in that day were especially violating. Swearing falsely is that's perjury. It has to do with playing fast and loose with the truth. It's about injustice in the court, in the nation. Theft. Obviously taking something that isn't yours is stealing. There are more, less obvious ways to do that too not making the best use of your time at work, that's stealing hours and time from your employer. It's a kind of stealing when we don't give back to God with our tithes and offerings as we've been blessed. Not using our talents for the Lord and for his kingdom. That's a theft of God's gifts in our life and in our hearts. The point is that we've missed the point of the scroll unless we take the warning seriously ourselves. We need to know that we need to hear it. And this message is gracious of God. It's gracious and loving of God that that He gives us His word, that He lets us know His will. We don't have to guess about what the best way to live in this world is. We don't have to guess about the best way to interact with others in our family and out there because God has revealed it to us. He's given it to us. So first, God broadcasts His plan to banish sin, and that's based on His standard. Second, God then implements His plan to banish sin and this is where it gets rough the scroll broadcasting the message somehow is also the thing sent out that will punish and destroy according to verse 4 uh, the fact that it's airborne it's winged means punishment is on the way the plane with the bombs is on the way to unload them the air strike has begun. The scroll is going to the houses of the lawbreakers to destroy them. It says both timbers and stone, meaning total destruction. The fact that the homes are being destroyed is not a coincidence. The nature of the sins, theft and injustice, implies Some of what was going on among the people of God is materialism, not looking out for those in need, someone who makes possessions his idol. And so the stuff that has become so important in that person's life, his very home, and everything in it is completely wiped out in this punishment. The destruction of the houses is only phase one of God's plan for sin. The second phase goes beyond punishment to total banishment of sin and wickedness itself. And and this is where it gets very, very weird. The container and what's in it represent iniquity, verse 6. You know what iniquity is? Sin. So sin... Is there. There's a cover of lead and we read it's raised and if you peek in, of all things, there's a woman sitting in there. Her name is wickedness. A lot of times in the Bible, God's unfaithful people are described as an unfaithful spouse. And that's probably why wickedness is a woman. And then we read, she must be trying to get out or something because she knows what's going to happen. We read that the angel pushes her back in and closes the lid. In the cultures around Israel, like the Hittites we know, they thought lead helped contain evil spirits. So they would, I don't know how they thought they got evil spirits in containers, but they would put them in containers as they thought they were evil spirits put them in containers, put lead covers on those containers, and then toss them in the sea to get rid of them. And so this lead lid means something very evil is going on. And then did you catch the other two women with stork wings lifting up the basket, flying away with it? Storks were unclean animals to the Israelites, so the women convey something sinister dark almost demonic whatever they are they are agents of god god is using these dark agents to banish sin and wickedness because they take it far far away from israel to the land of babylonia it's also called shinar in the bible and shinar is where the tower of babel was set up. We read about Babel and Shinar in Genesis 11. Right after that big rebellion by mankind at Babel, at Shinar, God called Abraham, and he started making for himself a special people, a people called out of the world, out of sin, to have a special relationship with him, living for him, loving him above all, loving others, And that's what Israel was called to do in the promised land. But that's also what they failed to do, which is why God literally had their homes destroyed, had them banished and exiled by Assyria, by Babylon, into a godless land, all because of their sin. And so the banishment is like a purging, It's clearing the land of the sin that it settled in, taking care of it, and it's all because God can't tolerate sin. Where God is present, sin must be eradicated. And while the punishment of sin is scary to guilty sinners, to people who are forgiven their sins, it's a great comfort. God is going to take care of sin one day. He's going to take care of the sin in your life. He's going to take care of sin in this world, even something as evil as ISIS. God will judge and he'll take care even of that. We find out how when Jesus comes into world history a little bit later. God's purging and the banishment here makes room for Jesus to come makes room for Jesus to come. The whole Old Testament shows that people can't keep God's covenant. People can't measure up to God's standards. We can't keep and follow his word. And so God basically did away with the whole Old Testament order because the people failed so badly. It would once and for all totally be wiped away in 70 AD when Rome destroyed Jerusalem, scattered the Jewish people. But in Zechariah's day, God was preserving a remnant, a small group, to do something great. Wickedness is an unfaithful spouse. But the Bible says God has always kept for himself a faithful bride too. It's a picture of his church out of a small faithful group of his people. Jesus would come, born of a woman. He lived, he kept God's standards perfectly where we failed. He died to take our place on the cross in order to banish our sins forever there at Golgotha. And when we belong to him, when we believe in him, our savior from sin, God will banish sin from our hearts because of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, our sin is stuffed in that basket. The lid is closed. It's taken far away from God's sight. Psalm 103 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Praise God for how way back then he paved the way for Jesus And how in Jesus our sins are taken care of. I want us to think for what that might mean about our lives. That banishment of sin from our hearts will only totally happen in heaven. But already today we have the victory in Jesus. Think about your own life day by day. Sometimes you got to admit that you open the lid of that basket. You lift up that lead lid of the container. We're intrigued by sin. We're tempted. But when sin creeps its ugly head in your life, shove it back down. Close the lid and say in the power of And in the name of Jesus, go back to where you belong. You are finished. You're conquered. You're defeated. You're banished forever. Jesus has come into my life to take your place. And that means that God is creating something beautiful in you because your sin has been removed. God clears out evil and sin and wickedness to plant Something beautiful. His word and his spirit in our hearts so our lives thrive with a love for him above all, with a love for those around us. So what sinful attitudes and actions need to be stuffed into the container for you today? What do you need to stuff in that container? What have you opened the lid to because you kind of like to entertain this or that sin? Then how can your life blossom more with God's love in Jesus to fill that space that's been cleared of sin? We're called to read his gracious word, pray more and more for his life-changing spirit in our hearts, We praise God that the destroying curse scroll, that's not the picture anymore. That destroying curse scroll, it's been transformed in Jesus to a different message. We call it the gospel. The good news, gospel means good news. We broadcast that good news as a church in every way we can. We broadcast God's message in Jesus to each other in our need, in our place in life, as we're called to be more holy. We broadcast it to those outside the church. And doing that, broadcasting that message, that gospel, that's the heart of of our mission as a church. Our world needs that message more than anything else. As these attacks made clear again, people in this world are living in despair. People are living in fear. People are living with no ultimate hope. But we have good news to share. There is hope for sinners God has an ultimate plan against sin and wickedness. There is salvation from sin. And in its place, in sin's place, God is growing something beautiful. He's growing his church and his kingdom around the world and right here. And he's growing something beautiful in your own heart and in your own life and in mine.